the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Some interesting research, which to Bay Areans might not come as all that much of a surprise. There are more renters than homeowners than any other time since 1965. In fact, a new report out by the Pew Research Center finds that last year alone, fully 37% of households rented their home as opposed to buying. Now, certainly in a region like the San Francisco Bay Area, where the medium price of a home is, I don't know, $12 million or whatever it might be, (laughs) it's certainly out of reach for most folks. It makes perfect sense. And for a lot of investors early on in the game, it was very attractive to pick up rental properties and use that as a means of supplementing their income. Then there was a bit of a paradigm shift as the ability to purchase property in the Bay Area just because of the the skyrocketing values became more and more out of reach for them. Many in real estate investors began looking to other markets, places like Texas and uh, Tennessee and elsewhere. But of course, Wall Street has caught on to that. In fact, there's a greater percentile now of homes owned by Wall Street for rent than any other time in history. So what does the future look like for individuals who recognize the value of real estate investment, recognize that it can be a very critical and if not successful part of their portfolio, and yet are troubled and irritated by the current market conditions? Well, let's get some insights from an expert. Joining me today in studio is Tom Wilson. Tom is the host of Real Estate Power Investing, heard on KDOW every Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. with a reprise broadcast Mondays at 2 p.m. and then Sundays at 9 p.m. and Saturdays at 4 p.m. You get complete details on the website at kdow.biz. Tom has been in this business for many, many years. And Tom, great to have you on the program. Thank you, Greg. Always nice to be uh, to be here and talking to you about, you know, uh, about my favorite subject, real estate. For years and years, that was the favorite subject, too, of a lot of investors who recognized, hey, I can pick up a property here or there and really add significantly to not only my cash flow, but eventually, as we saw the steady and consistent increase in value, at some point, you could sell those properties off for a really nice ROI. That certainly is still true today, but the cost of admission is getting more and more out of reach for the average investor, isn't it? It certainly is. I bought my first house in 1970 for $30,000, and it rented for three hundred. dollars Today, that house is worth a million and only rents for 3500 And the headlines scream about, oh, my gosh, the rent is so high. But when you do the numbers, you, uh, you need to, as an investor, you need to look at the rent relative to the purchase price, same as earnings relative to a stock price. So if you take the rent and uh, divide it by the price of the property, then you see you're down to like 0.33% per month versus 1% per month as it was back in 1970. And those very narrow margins, then, I would imagine for a lot of investors can be frustrating unless they're willing to hang on to the property for a long period of time. I'm talking 10, 12, 15 years. Yeah, but speculating for appreciation is, uh, boy, that is a, that, that's a gamble. And if you want to you gamble with some of your investment money, that's okay. But just acknowledge to yourself and be honest to yourself, that's a gamble. The, uh, the, the, the real, the, the primary way to invest in real estate um, 
safely and conservatively is to always byproduct that will cash flow. Now, of course, there had been a major paradigm shift in recent years since the return of home values post-2008-2009 into areas outside of really hot markets like the San Francisco Bay Area, where folks said, okay, um, the asking price of three quarters of a million dollars, even if I am getting $3,500 in rent, it just, the dollars don't make sense. However, going to markets like Nashville, Tennessee, Dallas, Texas, a little bit more reasonable cost to get in. A lot of folks found that very attractive. But apparently, as much as the average real estate investor found that an interesting opportunity, so too has Wall Street. Yep. Whenever uh, something gets really attractive after a while as an investment, after a while, the, um, you, know, you get the institutional level on Wall Street uh, money getting in. And so that tells you tells you something that Yes, that's a good uh, good area to be in. But of course, uh, when when everybody's doing something uh, and the same thing, then uh, then sometimes maybe you're popping in too late. So let's look. Uh, so why would they do a Dallas, Texas? Well, that million dollars in a in a median price house in Silicon Valley, for example, in San Francisco Bay Area, instead of uh, getting three, say thirty three hundred dollars rent, in a uh, in a Dallas market, you can get ten for. That same amount of money, you can buy seven houses, and you can get $10,000 a month rent, so three times. There's only one hitch if you can get the houses. So what's happened is now Wall Street, in an effort to deploy all of their clients' money, has been overpaying for these these houses, and now uh, the incomes are dropped, but they got to deploy this money. So now that's... um, making it very difficult in strong markets to even find houses now. And in fact, some markets are almost saturated. For example, yep. there's a one news report <laughs> indicating that the community of Spring Hill, Tennessee, couldn't even tell you where it's at in relationship to, uh, to Nashville, but Spring Hill, Tennessee apparently has become a huge magnet for institutional dollars and fully 20% of the rental properties in this one town is all owned by institutional firms. So even, even the idea of, you know, your landlord owns a home across town, so if I have a problem with the plumbing, I can go see him. That's out. Those yeah, days are you, over. So what happened was, of course, they jumped on the primary market to start with, like, uh, you know, like a, like a Dallas and uh, Portland, Oregon and places like that. Then they saturated that and they had to go to secondary markets. Well, now what's happened is uh, those are saturated too. So to finish deploying the money, uh, they've had to go to uh, tertiary markets. So does this necessarily mean then, Tom, for the individual who's got some cash to play with, who finds real estate investing attractive, recognizes that there are plenty of benefits afforded to investors in real estate, but are frustrated by market prices or simply not being able to compete where institutional firm comes in and says, hey, we'll pay you asking price cash up front, and by the way, we'll buy the house as is. Very attractive for somebody who's looking to sell, turn the house, and get out of Dodge. Does that necessarily mean, then, that the future for individual real estate investors is becoming bleaker and bleaker? Well, over time, uh, the statistics show that the majority of people in the United States with uh, accumulated wealth got it from one of two sources. It was either uh, business, having their own business, or from real estate. So uh, that's been true for a long time, and it's still true now. Just what you have to do is what works one, uh, one decade isn't necessarily what works the best in the next decade. So you have to be always looking at expansion and contraction cycles for each type of product and each type of metro. And that's what we, uh, we do, our firm does, as a, 
on an ongoing basis a marketing team that's always analyzing where the best deals are so can you still can you throw a dart and come out okay you might but you're a lot better off to uh, utilize a uh, resource for product that's doing research finding out where today's product type asset class and what metros is to producing the kind of income that you used to get before and whatever you happen to be doing before and possibly that's you know, houses in some market that the hedge funds came in and Wall Street came in and, and overpaid for. So where's the shift happening? If if grandma and grandpa, for example, owned two or three rental properties and they enjoyed a pretty decent lifestyle in retirement because of it, um, based on all the aforementioned factors, then where is, where is this paradigm shift heading to for future generations who still want to be able to, to get in and enjoy the benefits of real estate investing? Well, you, you find each... Um asset class and each metro and each price class in there uh, has this cycle that keeps going around every 10 years or so. So what you need to do is move your money from asset classes that are not performing as well anymore into asset classes that are. So some of the things that we find are now, I won't call them under the radar because they're still hard to find, but they're uh, less um, have less of an over-demand that uh, may be a, l- a little bit uh, less known. Are things like single and multi-tenant industrial manufacturing. We just uh, purchased as a syndication uh, uh, a company that's uh, almost a billion dollars a year in sales that uh, called uh, Filtration Group that no one's heard of in a household. And they, uh, they manufacture filters for water and for air. And it's something that's an integral part of our um, of our infrastructure in the in the country in the world. They have seventy places in the uh, in the world and and uh, and twenty different countries. And so, uh, and we got a twelve uh, year lease with this uh, with this company. So that kind of product is uh, producing eight to nine percent a year returns and an internal rate of return upon the sale of fourteen fifteen percent. So those are the kinds of things you used to be able to get, shoot, in houses in San Francisco <laughs> years ago. So you just have to keep uh, moving to where the the uh, assets are that uh, and the the type of asset and where the assets are that are producing well today. And you, it's a phenomenal uh, project to do that on your own. Mm-hmm. I. Let's take a time out, Tom. Mm-hmm. When we come back, I want to have you go a bit deeper into what syndication is and how essentially you're able to leverage the investment dollars of multiple individuals into purchasing properties that singularly no one perhaps could afford to buy on their own, but through syndication, again, leveraging that power of individuals coming together and pooling those resources can allow you to get into a property that's uh, returning some some pretty encouraging uh, numbers, to be sure. So tremendous, the power. Power of individuals getting together to accomplish anything. Indeed so. Including we'll, real estate investing. We'll talk more about that with Tom Wilson. Information, by the way, available on the web at TomWilsonProperties.com. That's TomWilsonProperties.com. Back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Welcome back to the program. Today in studio, we have Tom Wilson with us. Tom, of course, is the host of Real Estate Power Investing, heard Wednesdays at 2 p.m. with a reprise broadcast Mondays at 2 o'clock, and then a couple of weekend releases. You can get full details on the web at kdow.biz. And Tom has been in the world of real estate investing for, what, more than 30 they years They tell me now? five decades. Five decades now. Okay, so he's been he's That's... been down the block once or twice, and in fact, might even own a couple of pieces of property on that very same block. And we mentioned, Tom, before the break about some of this paradigm shift that has happened as a natural outcome of an overheated market, real estate investors jumping in, and big money coming in from the hedge funds and institutional investors. Suddenly now, owning individual homes for rent is less and less attainable for the average investor. In steps, as you suggested before the break, uh, the power of people working together. You mentioned syndication. Help us better understand exactly what syndication is and how it works. So before we step into that, uh, what's we, we were talking about the um, um, the value in moving from an asset class maybe that doesn't do as well today as it did yesterday and moving into something else that does. Well, I mentioned uh, commercial properties is what we're focusing on these days. Uh, industrial uh, buildings with single or multi-tenant, retail service centers, office buildings, assisted care, uh, those, uh, those kinds of assets we really like. Well, most people think, well, that's all fine and nice, Tom, but, you know, I haven't got the money to take down a multi-million dollar deal. As it turns out, you do. <laughs> so um, so, uh, so what we do is to syndicate a product. We form a corporation after hundreds of hours of finding the gold nuggets and all the things that are out there. We, um, we then form a corporation, buy the product, raise the uh, uh, sell shares at typically $50,000 a share, and uh, and then... We have multiple people who own that corporation that owns that product, and they're able to get, you know, eight, nine percent returns typically. And and uh, once the product is sold, by the way, you never invest in anything without having an, an exit, uh, pr- proposed exit time. And so you know when you're getting your money back, or at least when the plan is for it to get back. So uh, syndications uh, for some folks, very a lot of most people are not familiar with this approach. Perfectly legal. Um, probably been around for thousands of years i'm sure there are a couple of egyptian families that got together and bought a goat and shared the milk right so that would be a syndication so of course we have the sec now that carefully regulates um, the uh, syndications to uh, to protect folks and indeed uh, you know a good syndicator is adhering to all of those rules very carefully for the protection of the the client not uh, as, as well as them as themselves so uh, it's a wonderful way for a person to participate in investing in something which has a much better return than what they're able to get with other assets, but to do it with a fairly small amount of money, or even if they have enough money to take down a whole product, a lot of our investors like the idea that they can put 50000 here, 100000 that. They can choose which products they're invested in. Now they have, if you'll pardon the, the, the four-letter word term, kind of their own mutual fund of uh, commercial real estate investments. So it sounds like several benefits. Number one, you go in with an exit strategy. There's already a plan in place for withdrawal. We always do. Not all syndicators do, but uh, we feel that's a cardinal rule. Okay. Then, too, you have the ability to see a better ROI than other traditional investment vehicles. And as market trends change, that's certainly logical. And a good syndicator will always be analyzing where's the best place today. 
Mm-hmm. And and as the syndicator, you have gone in, you've done the research, you have done the due diligence, and so you've sought out the best property at the best location with the greatest potential. So and, typically, it, and typically manage it. And manage it as well. And that was my next <clears throat> next question is that in, in addition to um, doing a lot of the legwork there from the due diligence standpoint, uh, the one thing that everybody complains about, uh, and just ask any landlord, is the 3 o'clock phone call because the pli- pipes are leaking or whatever the case might be, and it can be as problematic whether you're talking about residential uh, investments or commercial investments, that three o'clock phone call that there's a leak in the roof, I don't get that phone call ever, do I? No, you don't. In fact, as an investor, you don't have any, don't even have any liability, much less involved in the management. And most of what we're investing in these days are uh, triple net deals, which means that the tenant is paying for the taxes, insurance, and maintenance. So a lot of these deals, even if you own it, uh, even your manager doesn't get a phone call as well, but um, but no, of course, managing something is uh, is is key. You uh, you can make a good investment bad by having bad management. You can't make a, a a bad investment good by just having good management. You need both of them. So that's both. Uh, so that's very very important to have that management. No, the uh, the, the syndication is managed uh, by a management LLC. That um, that takes on all of that responsibility. So a syndication investment is very very passive. The other thing that seems to be very attractive here, Tom, is the notion that uh, the average investor, for example, who back in the day wanted to invest in uh, single family dwelling for rental purposes, looking to get in, maybe a ten percent down payment, twenty percent. So you're somewhere in that fifty to a hundred thousand dollar down payment range. Back in the old days, when you still get a good property for a half million dollars, uh, it sounds like the the cost to get in is still very obtainable. So that the average investor that's sitting on fifty thousand dollars or more of cash can easily see this as as doable. What's What's beautiful about this is that now with this uh, with this approach, uh, and it's called uh, through a private placement memorandum. So it's no different than buying stock in a Google or Apple. Except it's in a uh, it's in a private fund instead of a public fund. So you're buying shares and you get uh, dividends if they're able to provide those, and a good syndicator will project what they expect to get. It's never guaranteed, and uh, so the so the investor is able to participate in a kind of investment that traditionally only a large private investor, hedge fund, or an institutional like such as Calpers uh, investor. Could participate in so, and again, that's, that's flexing that's, the muscle because of the power of a number of individuals coming together. Oh, so many people have heard the popular term crowdfunding these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actual SEC um, uh, regulated and accepted very recently, in 2013, uh, crowdfunding is really very, very restricted and very limited as to how much you can invest and so forth. But crowdfunding, if you use that as a general conceptual term. That's the concept that's really been around for a long, long time uh, in the form of, uh, of a private placement memorandum uh, syndication. And these are all qualified buyers, meaning that, or qualified investors, meaning that they have a certain level of assets at their disposal, a certain income level that they have to meet in order to qualify to invest? Well, there are different kinds of syndications. The majority of them are under uh, Reg D, as they call it, of SEC, and 506B and C, and all that jargon just, uh, you know, m- mostly means that when you syndicate or chooses the uh, the type of FCC regulation that that particular investment's going to syndication's going to be under, 
uh, typically most of them, majority of the ones that are done in this country, 506B, allow uh, unlimited number of accredited investors, which typically means that you have to have a net worth of a million dollars or more, not including your house, or an income level that's high, and up to 35 non-accredited investors. And uh, non-accredited can be um, just someone who is states that they feel they are knowledgeable enough and sophisticated enough to understand what they're investing in. Uh, sometimes a, a, a syndicator will put a certain uh, quantity on the finances that uh, they want from that individual, but um, the SEC really doesn't put that restriction. A good syndicator will not let a little old lady put her last $50,000 in a share and in an opportunity. But it's, uh, it's quite open. Most, most people who have professional jobs and have accumulated any kind of savings or wealth at all can participate. So clearly, even in this type of investing, Tom, there's no such thing as one size fits all. And, and really, the individual has to get the information, study it, and then make a decision for themselves. If they want to go deeper, learn more about syndication opportunities available, uh, work with you and Wilson Properties, what's the best way to reach you? So uh, going to TomWilsonProperties.com and on the website is the easiest way to, to reach us at Wilson Investment Properties. And uh, you can go to info at TomWilsonProperties.com and ask us a question, or you can call us up at 408-867-1867. And we have, a, we have nine uh, staff of nine people in the company. We have uh, co-syndicators uh, in uh, various parts of the country that uh, help uh, find deals and vet deals and manage them. And that's, um, that's certainly really, really key is that you always want to go with a syndicator that uh, is getting most of their reward, most of their profit at the end after um, after managing and uh, selling a successful syndication. So, if you, uh, it's one way to judge them. If they're getting all their money up front, uh, whoever whomever you're getting it from, and then they're gone and that's it. That's not probably a very good way. To, you you want uh, you want someone who's really motivated uh, monetarily to uh, make that asset perform well because they get most of their profit at the end. So final question for the potential investor who is doing their due diligence and wants to learn more about this. Do you ever offer any uh, seminars or workshops on the topic? Uh, we do indeed. Uh, well, there's a lot of material actually on our uh, website at TomWilsonProperties.com to help educate the investor about commercial uh, deals and syndication on um, Certainly on KDOW, on uh, Real Estate Radio Power Investing, we've had uh, many folks, experts in this field that we've interviewed. So if you go look at the uh, radio shows and look down the podcast, look for the uh, search for the word commercial or syndication, there's a lot, lot of material, a lot of uh, podcasts with uh, outstanding uh, experts that help ex- uh, explain this process. But that's the nice part of it. Once you... Um, once you find a syndicator that you trust and uh, and have uh, confidence in, because most of our most of our clients, we ask them, uh, so why did you wind up investing with us? Was it the place, uh, the metro? Was it the product? I said, yeah, that's a factor, but most of what we're investing in is our confidence with you as a syndicator because your excellent track record and your methodology makes sense. The private placement memorandum has a tremendous amount of transparency and detail in it. And uh, that's uh, that's why we're confident. So uh, the website has a lot of education, of, um, education 
the uh, podcasts and uh, radio shows that we've done uh, here on, on uh, KDOW have uh, a lot of a uh, lot of good education content. Well, and certainly we appreciate the education today as well in the world of real estate investing with Tom Wilson. Again, more information available on the web directly at tomwilsonproperties.com. That's tomwilsonproperties.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We have covered the story in recent days of the attempt by the Board of Supervisors. I'd always kind of throw you and slip there. Uh, the Board of Supervisors in the city of San Francisco to attempt to sue a crisis pregnancy center there on the grounds that they're not really giving women full options when it comes to choices in dealing with unwanted pregnancies. As if somehow Planned Parenthood does. <laughs> I mean, folks, let's face it. Abortion, in the end, is about eliminating an inconvenience in a very convenient, although ghastly, fashion. And for the purveyors, providers, and so-called doctors that perform these procedures, it's about making money. Making a lot of money. And so as much as I find it an oddity that the San Francisco City Board of Supervisors would want to sue a crisis pregnancy center for claiming that because they don't actually offer abortions in addition to their pro-life counseling, that therefore they somehow are amiss in giving the whole story, how interesting that is juxtaposed against the notion that there's an issue here, too, of extreme coercion in many of the cases of abortion that we see. And, you know, what's curious is that this coercion can take place in the form of a boyfriend that's insisting upon it. Uh, the coercion can even come from organizations like Planned Parenthood, who perhaps not overtly, but at least covertly, coerce a woman into having an abortion. Joining me now with more comment on this is Ken Cathella. Ken is a pro-life advocate and uh, former host of CBS News Talk Powerhouse WCCO in Minnesota and uh, joins us now, oh, by the way, also a conference and retreat presenter for Ruth Graham and Friends and joins us now by phone. And Kim, great to have you on the show. Nice to speak with you again, Craig. I uh, always enjoy sp uh, talking with you. Yeah, and we talk about wanting some sunshine on this topic. And earlier tonight, I was commenting on the fact that there is uh, one state that's now finally looking at the possibility of its Supreme Court allowing a law that had been voted in back in 1995 to finally see the light of day, that at the very least would require notification to parents when their underage teenage daughters wish to subject themselves to this oftentimes dangerous and always invasive procedure called abortion, and as much as I think we need light or sunshine in that case, maybe here too, the notion that in many cases, for many women, even just the way the quote-unquote options are couched by organizations like Planned Parenthood and other purveyors of abortion, turns out to not really be an option at all, but very thinly veiled coercion, is it not? Well, I think it, uh, yes, and it, it exposes a real weakness in the thinking of those who are uh, still subscribing to a rad radical feminist worldview. They cannot pretend that they are <laughs> defending women by the position that they've taken on this issue of violence, which is now well documented, that uh, murder is the leading cause of death for pregnant women. That article was written in by the Associated Press, mainstream media, in 2003. You can still find it posted on the National Organization for Women website. There's no argument in their mind that women are vulnerable to violence. Uh, they don't seem to connect the dots between, uh, well, let's see, if a man wants his partner to abort, 
and takes her down to Planned Parenthood or wherever he takes her. And uh, she cooperates. Uh, maybe she won't be subject to violence. But what happens if she says no? Um, there have been over 1,300 deaths as documented now as a result of you know women standing up to their partner and saying no, she would not go along with his wish for abortion. And it's cost women their lives. That's why there are 35 states that have fetal homicide laws because of this violence uh, that women suffer. And it's, and it's not that much of a leap to say that it's the same mindset that says, well, if I can force her to have an abortion, I will. And if I can't, I'll, I'll take some other measure to avoid becoming a father. I'm not painting all men with that brush. But, I mean, this has been documented, again, the Washington Post has written on this almost 10 years ago, the Associated Press, ABC News, A&E. I'm not talking about you know, pro-life or biased, right-slanted media. I'm talking about... <laughs> You know, the uh, just national organizations that have uh, the public safety issue in mind. Well, and we even saw some of this come out in some of the, the under, um, sort of the underground work that's been done uh, by those that have gone in with under, uh, undercover cameras and have found out that here they are sometimes uh, organizations like Planned Parenthood making recommendations for abortions to underage girls where it is revealed that the father is actually over the age of 18 and therefore it's actually a case of statutory rape and rather than bringing that to the light of day so that justice might be done instead helping to cover it all up in the state of wisconsin they're proposing legislation which would just be uh craig they would just they're asking for a screening question that if a physician has uh, a thought that a woman might not be there voluntarily, the new legislation would say that uh, physicians could tell patients that they have the right to consent or refuse abortion and that consent is not voluntary, quote, if anyone is coercing her against her will, uh, that that is an unlawful uh, abortion, that, that it cannot be done without her voluntary consent. And, you know, the, of course, the Young Progressives Issues Organization uh, which calls themselves, I think, the official Obama for America team for the University of Wisconsin-Madison, is pushing back against this legislation. Why in the world would you care if a physician wanted to offer a woman protection who is actually being coerced? Uh, they, they hide behind this idea that they're protecting reproductive freedom by preventing women from being asked if they fear for their lives. Well, hang on a minute here. Protecting, protecting reproductive freedom. Okay, we are in a country that since 1973, when the Roe v. Wade decision came down, has aborted upwards, last numbers I saw, rough numbers, about 50 million babies. We're talking about roughly twice the population of the state of California uh, in 40-something years. It, it doesn't seem to me that there's some huge risk to abortion ceasing in America right now. now. Let me quickly add, this isn't to say that those of us in the pro-life movement haven't done a great job in reducing abortions, to be sure. But this notion that, that they're arguing that we, we can't allow a physician or, or a screening question to include whether or not a woman feels that she's been forced, coerced, or given simply a lack of options uh, in the screening process as somehow a threatening uh, free abortion in America, that just doesn't seem to square with the facts. Well, and I think, Craig, from a person who's experienced this um, dilemma, which is, uh, that word doesn't even begin to capture, uh, young women are, feel that their future is threatened. 
oftentimes when they you know are confronted with an untimely or unplanned pregnancy they were not planning on motherhood they were not planning to pursue this particular relationship they're in for the rest of their lives they feel as though their life is coming to an end because of this pregnancy and uh, the abortion advocates are well aware of that fear and they're very much i think exploiting it in the way that they handle uh, this legislation and others like it that uh, you know people are are proposing in order to protect women uh, when they say the actual quote from the young progressives um, and this was in uh, the local madison newspaper um, uh, the, the the representative was uh, fiona cahill who said well this bill uh, is eerily similar you get it? It's, we're all supposed to be, I mean, they know women are already afraid, but it's eerily similar to legislation proposed in Michigan indicating a wider agenda of denying women access to reproductive care. Well, what in the world? Of, no, they're saying while she's there receiving reproductive care, let's find out if she wants care rather than an abortion. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ludicrous for them to position themselves as having any sort of advocacy for women in the position they're taking on this, and yet they would tell you that this is a feminist agenda. Well, and again, this is this is covered by so many so many acts of false piety. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's it would make one blush the whole notion here that any of this is being done because they're trying to protect a woman's right to choose, help women in a crisis situation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Nonsense. The bulk of the agenda is making money and making more of it, and quite often they could care less, which is, again, the reason why even the most gentle, benign of attempts to try and truly paint a broader picture or truly make certain that not only does a woman have the totality of the information of the options open to her, but then to also assure that this is really her decision and that she's been given all the information necessary in order to make the right decision. Uh, I mean, who, who's being honest and sincere in demonstrating concern for women would not stand behind something like that. And I, that's why this, this whole uh, you know, uh, na- right to choose notion is nonsense, because that's nothing more than a red herring. Oftentimes, there is no choice. A woman comes in and says, uh, I found myself, I'm late, I think I'm pregnant, we do a pregnancy test, uh, gosh, you know, I'm still in school, I'm not married, my boyfriend's kind of flaky, etc., etc. Well, here are your options, this is the time the clinic is available, this is when we can schedule the abortion. There's no discussion in any of the other options whatsoever, up to and including even the more question. You get a greater option when it comes to going to the dentist and deciding whether to have a root canal done or not than you do in a case like this. Let's take a time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation. i got to cool off here and tend to get a bit wound up on this topic for obvious reasons. Attention. This is a special alert for all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an overpriced auto warranty or no warranty coverage at all. Due to the increase of new and used car prices, repair costs, and the price of gas, people are keeping their cars longer than ever, which is why CarShield is announcing a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on covered auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can save thousands for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. You could save thousands on future auto repairs. Our specialists are standing by for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-708-1855. Vehicle protection plan pricing is at an all-time low. Plus, drivers who purchase this coverage today will receive rental car options, free roadside assistance, and free towing. Call 800-708-1855 now for your free quick quote. That's 800-708-1855. What do you have to lose? Call 800-708-1855. Again, 800-708-1855. 
Our nation's pandemic and subsequent financial crisis has affected hundreds of thousands. Many of those hardest hit are right here in the Bay Area. Many are neighbors, friends, even folks we go to church with. Jobless, hopeless, homeless. Since 1965, the Bay Area Rescue Mission has been caring for the homeless and impoverished, providing food, shelter, and a fresh start for those struggling with addiction or personal crisis. The Bay Area Rescue Mission delivers the hope of the gospel message to each and every one they reach. Simply go to bayarearescue.org. At this critical time, with so many lives in financial turmoil, your partnership with the Bay Area Rescue Mission helps meet the physical needs of hurting families and the spiritual needs as well. To share your tax-deductible gift of hope today, simply go to bayarearescue.org. Love without limits. The Bay Area Rescue Mission. bayarearescue.org. bayarearescue.org. Well, they took inventor Mike Lindell over two years to develop. They're designed to wear indoors and outdoors. They're made with quality leather. They're the MyPillow slippers. You know, with so many people staying and working from home now, these slippers are the perfect footwear for every day, all day. The wonderful MyPillow slippers have the MyPillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue. Boy, that's something we can all appreciate. Something else we can appreciate, a 50% discount. Yes, for a limited time, Mike Lindell is offering half off the normal price. Visit MyPillow.com, click the radio listener square, use the promo code KFAX, and while you're there, you'll see deep discounts on many MyPillow products. It's MyPillow.com, promo code KFAX, or or call 800-479-1790. 800-479-1790. Use that promo code KFAX. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Kim Katola, pro-life advocate, and we are talking about, um, in a sense, the fact that most women, quite frankly, really don't have the full story. Uh, when you're not given the entire story, it really is no choice at all, which is why even this notion of the quote-unquote pro-choice movement is, is a misnomer to begin with. Talk to us, Kim, about what is afoot in the state of Wisconsin uh, that might finally open up a little sunlight to to at least give women uh, the opportunity to express whether or not they have been coerced. And uh, what I'm encouraged about on this uh, proposal, Craig, is that if a physician has reason to suspect a woman's in danger of being physically harmed, um, and there is an increased risk of violence if a woman is in a violent relationship, for example, uh, the physician has to inform her uh, under this proposal in Wisconsin of services available to help domestic abuse victims. 
um, a very simple conversation that a physician would have to simply make a referral and let a woman know that she has choices, that she does not have to remain in an abusive relationship. And you know, this is a shameful situation for women in that particular case. I mean, there can be other uh, ways that women are coerced and not, as you say, given all the range of choices that should be available to us. Um, employers might uh, make it subtly known that a, a pregnancy is unwelcome or threatens a job. And uh, parents, of course, can uh, coerce their uh, teen daughters and even you know adult daughters that uh, they don't want a particular child in the family. Um, these tragic cases happen for lots of reasons, not just because of domestic violence. But uh, those cases that, that are uh, impacted by domestic violence that have that component could be now uh, prevented, and some, and, and some choices might open up for women in Wisconsin if physicians uh, are compelled to have a conversation and tell women that they don't have to live that way, that someone is available to help them. What is your sense in terms of the likelihood of this actually passing? Well, you know, the, the progressives and uh, the forces that are uh, the proponents of abortion uh, cloaked as reproductive freedom ha- have played that card before. In 2004, when the Washington Post was doing a three-part series, um, it, it's just a heartbreaking series. They profiled the women and who they were and exactly how, the circumstances of their death when um, they were killed because they were pregnant. Um, and in response to that piece in the Washington Post, it was a major uh, uh, act of investigative journalism. Uh, you know, the progressive forces said essentially the same thing. Well, we're, they're just trying to take away women's rights for abortion. This isn't, uh, you know, these are rare cases and, uh, you know, the, they, they're not connected issues. And they've managed to play on people's fears that women would uh, have their freedoms somehow limited by protecting them from from harm and by, as you say, Craig, letting them know that um, there are other options available. It, it would be cruel to just say to a woman, you must have this baby. But in fact, the Crisis Pregnancy Center, the Pregnancy Help Movement, as I like to think, Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.